Alright folks, welcome to Blackout at Sunrise. Today's guest is Mr. Patrick Coughlin. Is it Coughlin or Colin? It's Coughlin. We've had this trouble all our life with the Coughlin. Yeah, you know, the my father's from Tipperary, so he brought down Coughlin. Like, so. Yeah, yeah. and your brother, well, okay, we'll start it now. Your brother to Aino Coughlin, who in 2013 received a 12-year prison sentence in the Philippines for alleged possession, which he is disputed, um, of a little over 0.3 grams of marijuana. And since then, you, Patrick, have been campaigning for your brother's release. Um, and he's here to tell his story and the story of his brother's plight for freedom and safe passage back home to, to London, isn't it? He lives That's correct. Right. He resides in London with his Filipino wife, Jo, and they have one daughter. They're both professional nurses. Yeah. And Mental health nurses. Mental health. Yeah. Well, he is, yeah. Jo okay. is a midwife and stuff. You okay. Know, and okay. she actually working as a matron now, but... With all the stress of this, Joe has had to quit her job. She got health problems. Like. Really? She, yeah, but she's making more money going, going on the temporary. So, okay. And it's also allowing her to next week visit, uh, visit her husband okay. and my brother in the Philippines. Like. So, okay, we'll start at the start. So, so Aina, like you said, is a 55-year-old mental health nurse who lives and works in London or lived and worked in London up until this. And... Uh, and he's from you're from Black Rock. We're from Black Rock, okay. you know, yeah, Church Road. We we all grew up and there was there was another five of us. Like uh, unfortunately two have passed away since but you know, we had a good we had a good childhood in Black Rock, yeah, I can yeah. tell you. There was no man right and we were running around the fields <laughs> oh, really? the Oh there was no man point. No, way, it yeah, wasn't yeah. built, none of it, it was yeah. all fields like I know. lived over in Black Rock actually for a few years. It's a nice yeah. place to live. Yeah, it is, yeah. So Oh, tell me what happened. Did you, did you get a call some morning and to, to hear that Anna yeah. had been arrested for possession of I drugs? Did. That particular morning I got two calls. One from my brother, I think. He was arrested on the 14th of July 2013 at La Oag Airport in the north of uh, the, the north of the North Island of the Philippines. Okay. Then um, I did one call was about him being banged up and it was just recovering from that and then the other one was my 72 year old sister had fallen over and broken her hip up in Dundalk like. okay. and at the time I was 30 tied out my mother was gone you know Alzheimer's demented and I had moved in and I was living with her like so that was a right freak out of oh the day when God. those cards came in like you know but sure we just you know you deal with problems like that one by one you know yeah like, I was trying to put myself in your situation, you know, because like we just don't said, don't you love a crack up? I know, yeah. <laughs> but you know the way, um, like we were saying there before we started, you know, that stuff can be quite passive now. But I was like, you know, you can breeze over stuff on Facebook. But I was actually kind of <coughs> trying to put myself into the frame of mind of like taking that call on the morning, you know, and yeah. you're kind of going, okay, your brother has been arrested for drug you or dr possession of drugs and he's yeah and we had no details as such at that yeah. time it was just a call from the wife which they were they were both going through the airport and they had been there for a month joe's father had died a year previous and the reason for their visit as well as a holiday and for her to revisit her homeland was that she was executor to a father's will okay so a year after his death the checks were ready to be signed so they were doing that and that's and the reason they were in... That's the word there. That and a bit of a holiday. Like yeah, It was yeah. the first holiday, I think, in about three or four hours. And uh, they'd saved up time from the NHS, like, you know. Okay. And uh, they... Was this completely out of character when you got this call and go, okay, Ian has been caught for drug use? It uh, like yeah, it was. Because, you see, Ian, I've been used, you know... Like, Ian is five years younger than me. And I left Cork when I was 17, and he was the last kid in the house, only 12. Okay. So when I came back from Germany, like three or four years later, he was in London. Yeah. I didn't see him for years and years, but I he was studying to be a nurse in Whips Cross Hospital, and 
this and then he went straight on to international contracts uh, he was he met his wife joe in um they were both contracted to the iranian military during the iran iraq war like aeons ago you okay, know yeah, yeah. the war before the war like yeah, before the other war, war yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um the, you know that's where he met her and uh, they were both caring for um uh, like Ir- iraqi prisoners of war who were mentally ill and uh also iranian prisoner of wars his direct contracts was with the iranian military okay so uh, when the thing started all the other irish nurses came home within within days but he hung on in there you know and so did joe because being from the philippines she did, couldn't go really anywhere else she didn't have a london so they stayed on there. but i mean they went on to work in all over the world like i mean they, they were in australia for four or five years in australia his his job was for the australian uh, health services looking after methamphetamine addicts, uh, mostly Maoris, like big, you know, the big, huge fellas that are bouncers all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And his job, like if they didn't turn up for an appointment with their counsellor or medication or something, his job was to kind of just track them down. And then when he had eyeball with them, then he had a special number to ring the police and they'd all go in and tase their man and bring him down and haul him <laughs> off, you know. So he's... You know, I mean, because of that, he, he, he'd be, you know, like, I can't see him, like, with drugs as such, yeah. you know what I mean? He sounds like a, a stand-up character, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, he, a decent yeah. individual. He's lived a totally different life to me, you know, but he enjoys his life as much as yeah. I have mine, but, um, you know, he got married, oh, that's, yeah. that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, fair enough, everyone probably dabbles with a little bit of drug use, but, but you say, like... He's, from the sounds of it, he sounds like a very well travelled character. Yeah, I mean? he is. Yeah, and I, I'm sh- I mean, he lives in London. I'm sure he's been caught in social situations like Bill Clinton, where he, you know, had to take a puff for social yeah, reasons. Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, you know, but but you think, okay, this guy has been around the block. He's not going to go through an airport. Absolutely not. With drugs yeah. on his person, you know. And it's a funny thing. There, funny anomaly in the court case. Uh, like I've read all the transcripts and stuff, and uh, that you know they're charging him with. Uh, attempting to export drugs like like attempting to export two joints uh, containing 0.3824 grams of cannabis now they still have the two joints in court but how do they know there's there's tobacco in them how do they know what weight the actual (laughs) active ingredient is you know i i don't know the place is funny you know but um his wife went through joe went through and um so they were yeah so they were going through the airport and they it was a, an yeah. airport security check. He stopped for a cigarette and he said, you go on ahead. She went in, cleared straight up to the departure lounge with her carry-on bags, you know, and they'd already got rid of their big bags beforehand. You okay. know? And then um, he was going through and, uh, and he noticed like that there was suddenly the police uh, detail had trebled almost. Like, okay. But when he was stubbed a cigarette, he could feel them all waiting for him. Like. So he went in and they searched him out. And the next thing, his bag that he checked in an hour earlier like appeared. They searched it as well. And they're all looking at each other, scratching the head. This is what my brother tells me. I wasn't there, you know. But, sure, uh, he must have been going through. Like, I've nothing on me. Sure, he, yeah, he, he fearless felt, in yeah, a sense. But he knew he was being hit, if you know what I mean, or targeted or something. He knew there was something going on. Like, and so they didn't find anything. So go on away, sir. There, and he goes up then a couple of hundred yards and some other guy then on the radio coming down against them, turned them round and himself and all his bags were off back. And, you know, they searched them again. And there, there's about... 12, I don't know, at this stage, they're milling around guys in uniform, they're all walkie talkie, this and uh, still nothing. He must be at this stage scratching his head, going, like, hey, What are they after? What's going, going, on, going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I genuinely puzzled, like, and then I think he got up as 
to, as far as the departure alone or just about where he could have a you know a cup of coffee or something and they pulled him back again and this time in the search one of them uh, a particular policeman I want I want them I'm you know his but he he put he just finds this Marlborough pack like with two giants in it. Okay. That wasn't nobody had found. I mean, if they're searching luggage, you come across a Marlborough pack like that's open and half crunched up, you know, like discarded almost, you know, okay, like that. Okay. And um, you know, I mean, they would have found it, you know, but obviously it just came out of somebody's pocket and went in. And apparently, it turned out like that the guy who found it, he was ten minutes late to work. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. pity wasn't fifteen or twenty minutes late. Yeah, to work. I don't think any of it would have happened. But know? you'd imagine even the the foil in the in the bag would have you know triggered some alarm if yeah, they'd send yeah. it through a yeah, yeah. the, in, it, the, it the foil in the I cigarette. I understand it would have appeared on the infrared or the extra. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, you know, it, it all just goes to prove, you know. That's okay. That. The whole thing. So he was immediately arrested in Pat, was he? Well, yeah. Well, what they do over there, then, um, <laughs> within about 15 minutes, they're all still standing there for full public view. The joints were put on the table. They were taken out of the packet, right? Uh, about, they were standing there and all the officers were coming along and picking them up. So there goes DNA, there goes everything. Okay. The, the, the evidence was contaminated right there and then. Like, their supposed evidence, they were contaminating it by touching it and this and that and looking at it, you know. And um, he, he's just stuck there. He's not, they're just talking to him. Like, he's not doing a runner, so he's not in handcuffs. But the whole airport's looking at him, like, you know. And, and there's... You know, there's new cops arriving by the minute in cars, like, outside and all this, like that. And then in come the big boys, like, the anti-drug team with the, with their guns and ammunition, the whole lot. They come in and they take over everything then, you know. And uh, that went on for an hour. So, oh, yeah, they bring, I forgot to finish that. They bring in, a, it's it's a, an idiosyncrasy of the police uh, in, in uh, the Philippines that they have a, what they call TV patrol, and this crowd, they actually use the media. They call in the media and they get their, they've every, near every airport, they have camera crews ready to go and everything. So they call it Story, Foreigner, big one. Okay. Big one, two giants. Like. Oh, All right. So the boys come along and they film everything. And that later becomes part of the evidence in court, that film, you know. And part of that film kind of proves that the chain of evidence is disrupted. My brother made it, the, the, the cameraman, um, made uh, in court he appeared in my brother's court case as a witness for the brother kind of saying look um, you know the, the, they weren't bagged for hours everybody who was there touched them yeah. you know and they're completely different to the ones that are in court today oh, really? they were different oh yeah they were different you know, they, uh, so this TV patrol that went out in their 6 o'clock news uh, there was a leader in their 6 o'clock news so this crowd TV patrol come along and, and they film everything and, and that is part of the court evidence. That's an accepted procedure over there, whether you're, whether you're um, Filipino or, or foreign, it, it doesn't really change. But they come quicker for foreigners, you know, because okay. it's a bigger deal and, and there's more money to be uh, squeezed out, you know. So this was a massive six well, yeah, story. Yeah, they were all over. It was, it was Irish man busting the Philippines attempting to export drugs to uh, London. You know, and the thing is, it was an internal flight. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh. It was just from Laowag to Manila. Now they were going to do a f good few hours in Manila. She was going to meet the last of her family members there, and uh, they were both going to come back to him to do agency, I think, and she back to her NHS job. Okay. 
And it was her who gave me the call. Just she, she's, you know, they discussed it. He said, "You have to go, love. You lose your job if you don't." I'm okay. I'm agency. You know, I can pick up another one. It'll all be over in a few days. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'll see you soon. Go, go home, pay the mortgage, find me a solicitor, yeah. and uh, send me some money. Like <laughs> poor woman. Like I mean, she's been slaving away ever since. I mean, this is one year, ten months ago. She's had to worry about the daughter dropping out of college once the father was gone like she yeah. took advantage but she's a musician now so it worked the daughter like okay. she, she's 22 I think isn't around she? that yeah she um she she's actually uh, she plays keyboard for um uh, um a London London uh, African lady London black lady shall yeah. I say yeah and I can't think of any better it's uh, but it's the deny more like but she's she's native London you know okay and and she kind of does writes all her own songs D E N A I more and if you they opened Reading Festival last year so yeah. there's some footage on YouTube there and she was you know so that young one's having a good little time because Daddy ate around to say you got to <laughs> yeah. go to college like you know <laughs> and she'll never go back but she might do music or something but you you don't know is it some sort of not so much of a rebellion, but it might be just her way of dealing with it as well. You just don't know. Yeah, it could be, yeah. We, yeah. Th- we think she's quite upset. Like, at sometimes now she'd be quite involved in our campaign. And other times now she'd just go off the air. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know she just tunes out. And I wouldn't blame her. See, she's dealing with, like, um, Filipino women. They're very quiet and mild, you know. Yeah. And, and the child herself is like that, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, she sits there playing the keyboard. She's not exactly, you know, extroverted, like extroverted, waving at the crowd or anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go back to so we'll, we'll, I'm going to try and track the whole <laughs> logic of the arrest. So, yeah. so his Joe, his wife left. Yeah, so and that's how she called me then and okay. said, "He, this is happening." Okay, so uh, he he's in. He's he must have been taken to a Filipino jail. Oh yeah, after about three or four hours, one particular officer, no handcuffs or anything, right? took him and everything but the joints didn't travel with him so therefore the chain of evidence was broken, broken. Like, okay. absolutely he didn't see the joints for ages and when he did see them in court the, the court the court of which he later got sentenced to 12 12 years and 7500 euro fine approximately in a country where a superintendent of police gets 30 euro a week Jesus it's a fairly massive fine like for local money you know yeah. God but do you think like <laughs> I was trying to think of um, you know even trying to imagine what, what 0.38 grams of whatever of marijuana was looked like but I wonder in terms of street value there like what would that be worth it's everywhere like yeah. it's everywhere. but it must be worth smell it walking around Manila apparently and not only that they have a serious like uh, they call it Shaba S-H-A-B-A-A I believe Shaba and uh, it's uh, basically their form of methamphetamine okay. and those guys like you know that's a real bad drug you know and, and the police are very heavy you know mm. and and you know there's it's, it's a whole it's evident madness like. all around these places I mean I mean that, that Manila where he's residing at the moment population 12.6 million you know yeah. I mean, a lot of shanty town hit by the hurricanes you know yeah. like you know, like money going in from Ireland and never reaching the end. You Poverty, know? like, yeah. Yeah, but the money we send, like, a lot of it isn't hitting the people. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's been grabbed up, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but... Uh, the, the <laughs> We're going back there, yeah. Yeah. The, the, oh, he was mined, you know. It, it, it was hours later, one police officer, right? The guy yeah. who took it out of his... Out of the bag, uh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mr. Marlborough, we call him, like. Yeah. And he took him off in just in the car, like, and delivered him to, uh, you know, a little police station jail. That's all. 
and he was put in there into a room with absolutely nothing in it, not even a, a pot okay. for the proverbial, okay. nothing. And there was one other guy in there, and uh, he was informed before he went in there. Now, thanks be to God, your man was small, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the brother was, but he, uh, apparently your man was a child rapist, you know, Jesus. and just being caught, like, in the act. Well, that might have been just to frighten him or wind him up, but your yeah, man yeah. was probably an actor, you know, they give him $5 later, send yeah. him off home. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? God, it must be such a nightmare situation. So he gets... And and then uh, he goes to court and they sentence him to 12 years in prison. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, you, know, you go back to those five days when he was in Okay, in yeah, jail, work away, yeah. Which was only five days, right? And instantly, in a, you know, where the temperatures are 40 degrees centigrade sometimes, he refused food and water, typical Irish, you know. Mm. Well, you go on hunger strike, that'll get rid of the problem, like, you know. And they were freaked, like, you know. And okay. Not the first day, but the second day, they were quite worried, and especially with the no water, like. Mm. And um, they could see him, like, fading, you know, like, bunching up in the corner, you know. Mm. And, because uh, there was nothing to sit on, like. And you'd obviously pick a different corner to the child rape, it's like yeah, the door yeah, was yeah. occupied the other corner, so. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's sitting there anyway, and the next thing, uh, he kind of knew, being a mental health nurse, he knew what happened, so later in there, he comes a police psychologist on uniform, like an mm. outside contractor, and she female, of course, you mm. see, to get through to him. And she starts off playing her little psychology games, and he said, look, you know, I'm the mental health nurse here, girl. Yeah. What are your qualifications, you know? and. Uh, like uh, mine are way better because mine are Western, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and you like you wouldn't get a job in London basically. Was yeah. it? Plus, he's probably so much experience yeah. as well, you know what I mean? But then you see, he knew what was coming then, and he had this little plan, you know. He knows the human body and everything, so he's, he's he knew he gave in after a while and reluctantly he said, I, "Look, I, I, if you can get me a kind of." Uh, he described the coffee he wanted to be more or less a double espresso or style you know? that's mm. what he wanted with no nothing in it no sugar nothing in it right okay. and she said uh, she'd give it to him uh, if he'd uh, take a glass of water as well and he said she should bring the two in is what he said right so she did he gulped the coffee like that didn't go near the water he knew then that he would faint like okay would the caffeine would make him faint yeah okay. so he fainted and they freaked out then and you know they would all you know wake up and made teams and all there i mean the foreigner like they couldn't yeah, let yeah. that happen yeah. and uh the next thing his uh, solicitor was on the phone and whatever judge he'd been arraigned under right uh, whom he didn't really quite see that was a five minute thing he was just brought in arraigned and sent away okay, you know? yeah. and uh the um, that's it. Uh, they, two days later, he was on the streets with his his bail. But the terms of his bail have changed. Like for, for he's now on bail for a different reason. Okay, you know. So that that was it. Then he got out. You know, but he's still up in the low wag. You know, and it was about I'd say it was about five months later. Um, he he uh, he got to court in low wag city, and uh, that's when it all happened. Then you know mm. the. They're all there saying this, that, and that, and they're all contradicting each other. I mean, they've gone over pages and pages of content. And his 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 uh, lawyer at that time seemed to be doing a good job. You know, he had, he had fairly good arguments. You know, about the chain of evidence, and you the strange anomaly Filipino laws because he yanks it up. It's English. The actual law is in English. So when he names a precedent, you uh, you can get on the net and Google it and read about the case. And that is, and he picked a good precedent as his solicitor. But, um, you know, to no avail. Like, and the okay. next thing I remember seeing, it's gone down now, the footage, you know. 
but I remember seeing them standing there like in the court and the cameras were there like moving around they had two sets of cameras in. and like I just saw the look in his face when he heard the 12 years oh my god you know he, he didn't uh, he didn't twitch but I know him so well you know I, yeah. I just saw the eye like and it was fairly shocking you know that's harrowing it's mm. are you alright I am grand, yeah, let's carry on. Yeah. So um the next thing then was that was it, he was he was brought off like and you know, they they uh, oh yeah, his solicitor instantly appealed yeah. or said he was going to appeal, right? But he didn't that was that was grand. So based on the fact that he was going to appeal and he'd already done hunger strike, they didn't want to, they just let him go, like okay, based yeah. on continuing bail on the previous release, you know, the same bail again. Okay. And uh and then that solicitor, you know, this is part of the corruption there also. That obviously, you have a certain time to lodge the documents. So it's one thing saying in court, we're going to appeal, like, but you must mm. have, there's a timetable. I think it was six, seven months or something. Yeah. And it, they knew that, like, and, and their solicitor actually told them, they had the letter, like, that their solicitor told them that he'd lodged the appeal. Yeah. Right. But finally then, Coming up to it, they just got tired and they recruit. Oh yeah, her family found what they thought was a better solicitor, a female solicitor that was a friend of the family, and supplied her. And this one went straight on to the court to see what your man had said in the appeal to defend my brother. The appeal had not been lodged, and it was only twelve days ago. And oh, if it hadn't yeah. lodged, that was it. Twelve years would have started. Jesus. <laughs> so that's a, <coughs> you know. So anyway, Sally Alana, his new solicitor, like who seems to have vanished lately because she's not on the air, she's not answering emails, she's doing nothing. Like, I think she's half frightened by all this and she's wondering how to extricate herself from the whole thing in case yeah. she gets banged up also. Because probably it's like, for them, it's putting their head above the parapet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You see, it's, a, it's an oligarchic country ruled by a group of families, like 120-odd families, like, and with all these certain names. And one of them is Castro. One of the big families is called Castro because of the Spanish influence there. Yeah. But there's certain names you, you hear there. Mm. And, and even the police are like this if that's your name they'll walk away even though you mightn't be in that family you might be another ranch you know okay. but uh, that's how the country's ruled they're uh, an oligarchy they're all built you know they, yeah. they keep looking after each other they control you know I mean if you look at the list of um, senators and, and uh, politicians they're, they're all the same same names it's like nepotism like, yeah, it's yeah absolute yeah, nepotism yeah. and then all the jobs go out and everything you know uh, from that yeah. original after the Maria election like they all, they all get new jobs like okay. pensions the jobs work, for the boys like. jobs for the lads uh, <laughs> as, you know we're not the only country you know yeah. <laughs> but uh, listen to this man it kind of makes you glad in some way it kind of puts things in perspective about where you're from you know you know the way you'd be kind of going Jesus Ireland is tricky but yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. I ought to, oh, yeah, yeah, big perspective. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I've almost given up mourning about Ireland since this yeah. happened. Now, you know, yeah. and that was my favourite profession. You know, yeah, beforehand, like, <laughs> professional yeah, mourner. Yeah, professional mourner <laughs> about the Irish political setup. You know, yeah. and and it's um, seemingly corrupt as well. You know, but we can't prove it. If anyone could, we would. Like, but no, he's 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 in he's in trouble there. You know, and it's then the, another thing with. We we found a, a judge accepted a different judge. Like uh, we waited until the judge. Oh yeah, the first judge took his passport off him, and we believe it's still in that judge's safe, but we don't know. And Department of Foreign Affairs don't know either where it is. And the judge has been asked twice in court to hand it over by other judges, and he's just given them the finger. Like really? he won't even ha- yeah he won't. Oh no, he wants his money. Like. 
so that's, it's, it's, that's, that's the attitude grease my palm. And yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. And you get your passport, but you still won't have permission to leave the country, like, you know. Okay. You know what I mean? God, like, he's really caught in limbo, so isn't he? Well, well it's, yeah, one year, ten month limbo, I know, you know, and coming up the anniversary, which is why we've suddenly gone for the publicity, you know. Yeah. We were delayed by that A, like, he, he needed someone over here to take the case, and the only one would be me. Because the wife and the daughter, you know, they're too mild for it, and they're London-based, and he, because it's an Irish passport, it had to happen here, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, is there an Irish embassy or a consulate? No, unfortunately, yeah, there's a consulate there, but I mean, it, it, I think it's one hour a month, and even then, it doesn't open, and the phone never gets answered, and emails. And she, I think, she only gets a few thousand a year to yeah. represent us I mean yeah. I'm talking a few thousand two or three thousand euro a year like to represent us okay. so she doesn't put any time into it you know yeah. the nearest one is Singapore where there's a full ambassador and so they're the embassy who are you know as they say keeping a watching brief on it you know keeping a watching brief or what like yeah. they have I been you know what can they do really to tell yeah, you the yeah. truth because if we had a Filipino over here and they were hassling us about him you know like due process must occur they're a sovereign state you know you can't interfere with the judiciary that's yeah that's standard in most constitutions you know so yeah they have a set of laws and rules and the, they, yeah mostly yeah. set up by the Yanks yeah, yeah okay you know, after the second world war when MacArthur came back to the Philippines you know okay and they set up a new constitution there and found these families and put them in power and and it just keeps perpetuating but it doesn't stop America we have a link on the bottom of our, uh, our web page which is www.bringanahome E-A bring Aina E-A-N-N-A home.com we have a link at the bottom of that United Nations and uh, USA uh, uh, government uh, stuff saying how corrupt the the Philippines is in case anyone doubts it I actually had a look there earlier this morning before before the interview and it's fairly comprehensive now god yeah but it, it seems to go it seems to be the the corruption seems to be historical because of the Spanish kind of colonization that it kind of yeah. infiltrated all levels of society yeah. over there you know yeah. but I, I've been in uh, Cuba and South America and it's kind of the Spanish did the same there you know it, it's based on if you're 10% more white Okay. You know, like by a great great grandfather. Well, then you get treated better in hotels and everything just because you're missing a shade of tone, you know. Yeah. And I, Inequality is still alive and well in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God. So, wh- where does he. St- so, at, so he, he, you were telling me before, he's now in Manila. Yeah, he got permission from that judge there who's, who's, you know, seems to be a kind of fair, but you see, we can't get him back again, you know, because he's. That per- he gave him permission to leave Laowag, the district up the north, and go to Manila and mm. reside there because uh, the brother was able to kind of... He, well, the, basically, the, all the guys who banged him up in the airport, right, wherever he went in Laowag, which is a city, but it's not as, it's not a massive city, you know. Yeah. Um, it would be cork-sized, would it? Or? Yeah, I, I would imagine. I've never actually... You know, You've all the talking I've done about it, I've never yeah. Googled it and seen what size yeah. it is. I must ask him. But um, they were following him around, like... Oh, the cops were okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I said, and they'd be bumping into him, and like uh, as he goes to the toilet in the bar or something, you know, or having a coffee, and they say, "You better pay that money, boy." Really? You know, yeah. You better pay that money. You want to see your passport again? Pay the money. Get rid of the house and pay the money. All this harassing, harassing, harassing. So back to the house thing. You, you, I, I know when we met earlier in the week, you said that that you have an idea or a theory as to why this whole scenario happened yeah it's, it's about the only thing we can come up with like well why was he attacked because otherwise he was just 
you know, another Irish person married to a Filipino, which, believe it or not, there's a lot of Irish people have a Filipino wife, you know. Okay. I mean, one guy has joined the campaign. He's uh, he's works in, uh, I won't name him, but, well, I should name him and thank him, Michael Hegarty uh, from Ballancolic, who's he has a Filipino wife. He's experienced uh, stuff over there, yeah. and he's two uh, Irish Philly children. And he lives in Balancholic, and he's he's done massive work since uh, okay. ninety six FM broke the story. As ever, a whole load of people like Conor O'Leary has set up the the website for us totally free, and it's a fairly good website, I think. Yeah, you know? and and other guys like um, are helping me hand out petitions on the street at night when the young people are around, you know, because they're the easiest to get to sign. They they just go up on their uh, phones and and yeah, do it right yeah, there yeah, and then. Yeah. So. We don't bother the elderly looking for signatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had for likely targets. So. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just to, just the same money too. I mean, they don't come cheap to the printers, you know. I actually, there. I met a girl. I think the day after I met you, and she was handing out little snippets of, um, a photo paper or, a paper covering of the story. You know, so. All right. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. She yeah. took just went off on board and the dinner or something. Oh, I don't know. She just handed out a leaflet. I'm here. I'm here on this and all over the place. You know, but I I am giving people little batches if they say they w- will distribute or I'm giving them thirty or forty at a time. Like I've given them to people now to get out to Foss and and uh, you know the colleges and that kind of stuff. So people are helping me. Mm. But still, the signatures are, are plodding along. Yeah. Like so. I know. But we, let's get back yeah, to yeah. The, the reason you think all of this might have just... Yeah, well, in. you see, like, he, you know, he, he's always lived in kind of hot countries like Australia or Middle East and Qatar and Saudi Arabia. He did a two or three year stint there as well. And he, he's, he's a, he went off and trained as a professional diamond instructor, Paddy, as well, you know. Mm. And that was the dream, you know, to set up something like that. So... I don't know when they bought it. I think it was quite a long time ago that they bought a kind of, you know, a simple enough house up on stilts on the beach. The idyllic, like, you know, the palms and everything. And there was nothing around, really, you know. And, uh, you know, he, oh, yeah, when his wife was handing out uh, all the inheritances, right, there's a couple of our family that he gets on really well with, like, and uh, have taken the trouble to learn good English better than his wife, you know. Okay. Well, she's too busy studying yeah, medicine yeah, and yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff, so she, you know, she, so the next thing then, she, um, he, he was going into business with them and they shook hands on the deal that they were going to put some of the money they'd inherited, a cousin and a brother were going to put some money, and he was going to put some more money in and donate the plot, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were going to develop it slowly over the next three years. And and uh, This is the little house, the stilt house on the yeah, beach? Yeah, it's the stilt house. Maybe, you know, it might, it's kind of three-room bungalow, and, you know, it, it got fairly damaged in the typhoon, the hit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got fairly wrecked. Like, it's, it's probably, you know, if that's what they're after, I'd say it is wrecked. Yeah. I'd say they've come along and bulldoze it, like, you know, because... Apparently, there's somebody else had the hard neck to go and get planning permission to build a marina on my brother's land, and he didn't even know in it, you know. And they only discovered that when he went up to, uh, to um, you know, try and see how to get planning permission for he, what he wanted to do. When he described it was planning in somebody's name, so that's why we think that. So but you reckon they, that they want to, they want that property? Wants that, yeah. Okay. But he was never directly approached. Even now, if he was directly approached, I was asked this in ninety six FM as well. If he was directly approached, he he would let it go just to come home, you know. Yeah. 
like he's yeah, not going yeah. to that, that retirement plan is now shattered completely I know? don't think yeah, if he got not, out of the Philippines he's not going yeah, back no, I, don't think so. yeah. I don't think he'll ever leave London again I will yeah, I will yeah. but you know I, I don't think he'll ever go to Asia again basically yeah, yeah. God, what a terrible situation so so at the moment he's on bail in Manila yeah he, he was living with her relations there for a good six, seven or eight months. I'd be ringing him late at night and you'd hear, um, you know, a cock crowing. Okay. Like, oh, he, like, he hated that cock, like waking <laughs> him up every morning. And then there was another fella who goes along, uh, he, he apparently sharpens knives. He's one of those things I remember from my childhood on Black Rock, actually, a bicycle. You put it up in the stand. And as he pedals in, the thing turns in front and he sharpens the knife. Right. So your man goes around ringing as well. You know? And then all the year, the brother's been, was there listening to him. Like, he never saw him. Nobody gave him any business. But sure, you know, that's the way it is. Like, if yeah. that's what you are, you've just got to keep plugging. Keep it. Like away. me with yeah. this story. Like. <laughs> so I, anyway, he got tired of all that. There was too many relations milling around, you know, and, and, and this. And, but it was handy. His clothes were washing food and everything. Uh, but so finally, you know, he was talking to somebody and, um, got a little flat for himself, you know, okay. and and he got, he's, you know, he he's, he has a little bit of peace and quiet, you know. Yeah, but yeah. the first first year was quite hard for him, you know. And do you talk to him often? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, because at the time the, uh, I was mining our mother and it wasn't available to actually launch this campaign, you know, and. Uh, so he went to, he was very concerned about his mother. He was telling me, being a nurse, he was able to tell me little tricks for, about the Alzheimer's people and yeah. what book to read to learn a bit more. It was, it was quite helpful long distance. Yeah, you know. yeah, in yeah. fact, he was way more helpful than any of my other brothers, like, yeah. and, or my sister, you know. <laughs> so what can you do when I show my sister's passed now? You can't speak oh, you were saying that, that, that in the time that he's been away, you've lost your mom? Yeah, my mom passed on the 2nd of November, 2014. And then... Uh, on a Sunday at about 10.30 and 28 days later on the 30th of November my brother Colin it's 65 passed away at about 10.30 on a Sunday Jesus. and then only last April on the 12th of April on a Sunday at about 10.30 I don't know what's going on my sister passed away but she, she you know she was it was merciful release for her. She died in her own living room. She was a heavy drinker, you know, okay, okay. a heavy drinker, poor woman, you know. Yeah, rest in peace. But Jesus, yeah. that must have been, obviously it's harder on you because you, you see all this and you're trying to juggle your your the, your brother's kind yeah. of case or whatever. But but there, there's no, the other brothers, no, nobody's helping us. Like, none of my other brothers are helping. You know? okay. they're, they're just, you know, one even, one signed the petition. He said, you must be guilty, boy. You know, that's a lovely brother to have. Yeah. We sort him later on when we get to when there's two of us against one when we when we get him back from the do field. You do you think there's any reason for that? Do they just not? Nah, he's oh. just, um, you know, okay. he has his own problems, I'll put okay. it like that, you know. It seems to run in the family, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I might look in good condition today, but, uh, you know, there are times where I was as bad as the rest of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. alcohol, I've had my problems on and really? off, you know, and uh, this isn't exactly helping, you know. Do you drink now? I do, yeah. Well, prior to my mother um, getting ill and me having to go over and live with her, I hadn't drunk for two or three years. You okay. know, I go out and socialize, all right. But I was, you know, sitting at home reading books and watching TV, like anything to pass the time and yeah. staying. You know, mm. kind of a, a an edgy non-drinker. Okay, yeah. You know, I get invited to parties and uh, I feel I, awkward when you go. <laughs> oh, I'd be gone in half an hour, yeah. and then after a while, I I just said that. Nah, you know, 
and then the odd one then I'd go out and I'd break out and mess up you know because I hadn't been at it for a couple of months or so you know and I'd overdo it straight away like go for the whiskey instead of the, the beer you know so yeah that's an ongoing problem for me so I try to keep it under control but it must be hard in this situation, though, you know. Uh, yeah, it has been, you know, but I mean, I enjoy me drinking. I get some crack of it, you know, and, uh, but it's also part of the campaign. Oh, I must get into pubs and clubs and, and stuff and be around. But, I, uh, you know, since since we broke the publicity, I've been fairly manky three or four times, but I, I think I'm playing a blind, really, like under my own guide rules, you know, I'm patting myself on the back for... You know, but I don't know. I, I could crack up tonight after this interview. Like I could go straight down. You know, don't always get off late. <laughs> but I hope not to. You know, because yeah. I have a lot of things to do. You know, emails to reply to and leaflets to hand out. So Jeez, your time, it must take a lot of time. Ah, uh, yeah. Only what you see. You can because I'm your own boss in it. I can um, I can tune out any time. You know, and and I mean I can answer all the emails up to four or five or six in the morning, bang them all off, and then hop in the sack. It, yeah. you know, so. It's, it's just, you know, but they're running around now to the politicians there lately and doing the interviews and all that. And I mean, the first day or two after I broke the story on 96FM, like, and of course I wasn't very practiced at it. So I was getting all the journalists, I was keeping the numbers, writing down the names, but I wasn't putting the name with the number in the phone. I just, you know, I was missing it, like, you know, because I was all in Hido after the interview and yeah, yeah. trying to listen to myself on, 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 on the know, airwaves on the airwaves yeah. what did I say did I mess up or what you know <laughs> especially when it's live you know that you can kind of it's 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 easier to mess up when it's live in this situation we can edit you know what I mean but yeah yeah but, uh, but yeah, you know but, I mean I, I'm treating this as, as, as if it's live you know I mean in a way you know I, I, I know it isn't but um, you know that's um, that's the way it is. Yeah, but that's the way it is. We might need a coffee break. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, a nicotine break. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's why we're doing it this way, I suppose. Yeah. But um, also, you know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, towards the end of the PJ Coogan uh, one, I was saying, is he ever going to stop at twenty four minutes? Like, you know, yeah. And I was worn out, you know. Like, you were on the phone as well. I was on you? the phone, yeah. But it was no, it was a very good line, you know, because where I am, I'm on the hill, and they're only down, you know, they're only a couple of blocks away, like so. And the mass is between us, so it was grand, good, good nice and clear. And uh, it was it a bit of a shock to the system. It was yeah, being but, the, that guy, like yeah. that day, I had my notes, I had all the dates written down, the date of the appeal, and the date of this, and there's a lawyer solicitor. But today, I couldn't find that bit of paper, so I just came up anyway. In fact, I'm so used to repeating it like that, I can say that the appeal we're all waiting on now went in on the 14th of November okay. uh, of 2014. Okay. And they have some kind of law over there that if a foreigner has been charged for anything, that the court case must all be over within six months. But it's not happening in this case, you know. God, that's they're breaking their own laws, like uh, in regards to this. Another thing that they're breaking their own laws, they won't give him, or his legal team, one of the supposed two joints back for DNA testing. Okay. Why not? Like, that's a big question. Why won't they give him one of them for testing, or half of one or something? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and uh, you know... Just a tiny bit, really, you know, yeah, where, yeah. where the lick went down, you know. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, the they D- just need that's to... That's the DNA, man. Oh, yeah, and he, and Oh, yeah, and he was told, the judge says, oh, no, no, you know, our, our country's had a downturn, too. We're short of money, too. We, it's uh, financial constraints. And the brother said, I'll pay for it, like. Yeah. I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll pay for ye to test it, and I'll pay for me to test it. Yeah, no. I can compare the results. No, refuse. Right there and then, of course, bang, no, refuse. Like, what's next? Uh, motion to return the passport. Bang, refused it, didn't even know, read the motion. 
and they just kept all his lawyers attempts to you know to mm. get some breach in the wall like bang refused like we might take a quick break there actually if we want yeah. we can have an old cup of tea so we'll be back there in a second uh, you're not saying bye <laughs> <laughs> Sure, remind me of the 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 court case. Then again, uh, Pat, it sounded like it was a bit. Well, he, he was actually quite shocked because he had uh, been briefed and had time to Google and everything and look up the his his lawyer's defence. You know, like uh, based on precedent of this case versus that case and that case. And basically, it was the whole argument was that there's these two giants, even if they were supposedly found in his bag, that the whole chain of evidence was broken because. Um, you know, uh, oh yeah, two officers at that court sign, said that in the airport they signed the joints, they put their initials on the joints with a, a black pen, you know, uh, and that's standard procedure over there, like uh, normally they signed the bag, but this one was signed the joints and then put them into a Ziploc bag and signed the bag, an evidence bag, you say, but uh the footage from TV Patrol shows that that didn't happen for ages and ages, and yet the guys in court say they signed up straight away. Mm. And the, the judge then, the brother put the hand up and <coughs> had a word with the, his solicitor and said, ask to see the giants, have they got them here? And then arrived two totally different giants, and guess what, there was no signatures on them. Like, Jesus. You know, and, but, you know, but the judge should have thrown it out there and then. Because yeah. the guys had just given evidence from the box. That they had signed the Giants and then come to the Giants that had no signatures on them, like, you know. And he left them in as evidence. Hey, the judge, no, like, he left the case. He turned around then later and ignored all the evidence to the country and sentenced him to 12 years. What about the video footage? Can they look back at the video footage? Well, as I say, like, he, he has a, he's trying to get a court order. Um, the, the video was removed straight away from the internet after he brought up this point, like, you know. And, and that was it, and he can't get his hands on it, you know. He's he's there's multiple attempts by his legal team to get it, you know, and the reporter who took it is was quite willing to hand over, but obviously he got novel since he's not answering the phone now either, like you know. Man, it sounds. So I know, yeah, but crazy. see, it's that kind of country. Like, I mean, before in order to prepare myself for my trip, uh, I'm going over next Thursday. The kind of what can I do? Hold his hands and have a few beers with him. That's about it, you know. Yeah. And uh, he'd probably be delighted to see a friendly face. His though. wife's coming in two days beforehand, like I don't know, so I don't know what it is. And then his his daughter and my niece will be joining us, then there'll be an overlap on my trip of four or five days. So I'll see my niece over there, you know. He wanted me to stay with him, but I could see us the wife, the daughter, me sitting there, like in this mm. Filipino flat, like in Manila with jeepneys going past, noise, pollution, everything. I said no, like I, yeah. you know, I went down to Credit Union and got a loan, and I got, and I got a nice little, you know, like a little bed set where I can have my own shower and everything in the unit. But I've access to this massive complex with swimming pools and everything, and I can uh, put up to three guests on the list. So basically, I see us, us the four of us hanging around the pool, okay, instead of living yeah. in uh, Philippines. You know, a nice break for him as well, I suppose. It will because you see, he can't move around. They have his passport, so if he goes out of the block to police who don't know where he is, because he's a foreigner, 
He could be he's instantly attracted and he's no ID that can lift him right there and then like and hold him for three or four days until blah 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 you know oh yeah well look we have his ID so I'll let him go you know yeah so he's been he's just literally staying to that one little block you know where the local people who some of whom are related to his wife Joe you know because these, these Filipinos are really have very extended families you know I mean the 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 will she was dispersing like went way out and not just the immediate members of her father's family like it went to cousins and first cousins and nieces now you must be thinking why what the fuck why am i being targeted <laughs> is he like at this stage is he kind of going well like, there's a there's another and i haven't said this on the air completely and uh because my, like i haven't said this to any journalist okay but i'm saying it to you because um i won't tell joe about this you know that you might find it by accident when you put it up you know mm. But uh, there is another theory, and maybe the two theories unite. We think there's a, a she has a brother, who's in the the special drug police, who walks an hour and a half away from the airport the day it happened, but mysteriously was there within fifteen minutes. Um, this guy uh, is a shaba addict, uh, which is methamphetamine, and that's why his father left him nothing, absolutely nothing. And uh, we think the developers kind of found and recruited him, but I, I mean he's my brother-in-law. If you know what I mean, he's, yeah, a, yeah, you know, yeah. he's part of the family supposedly, and they didn't want to insult Joe and uh, you know hurt their Filipino relations. Because you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. my brother gets on quite well with other brothers of ours, and he was going into business with with a brother and a cousin, you know. Mm. But there's just one bad egg who has a police uniform, you know. And he's a sergeant level or something, you know, which means he just, when he runs out of his own drug, he just goes and busts some guy on the street and takes his drugs and money. And God, you think if you had someone, a family member in the in the guards or whatever, the, yeah. or the police, you think it would be a benefit to you and well, not no, a hindrance? No, not if he's involved. You see, we think he might have been recruited by the developers to actually recruit the planters, set the whole thing up. But it's only a theory, you know, that we'll never know. This sounds like a movie. It sounds. Yeah, like, I know, but we we'll never know. You know, yeah, we we'll yeah. never know. We act. That's the thing about it. It's like this. You know, when when something happens, like someone steals your bike or something, you hear rumors, or mm. but you never actually know. You know, mm. you, you, there's all these theories. But the only people who know are the people who are involved. And that's, yeah, that's the far. people who are involved. Yeah, yeah. And they, they're the only ones that'll ever know. You know. Yeah. What do you hope to get out of the trip? Other than just seeing him and hanging out with him. Well, uh, you know, a suntan is out because it's the rainy season. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But uh, it will be nice and warm, you know, I'll be walking around with sandals and shorts, which I haven't done for years, I'll be looking yeah. forward to that, because, I mean, I don't exactly walk around at my age, like in sandals and shorts here, you know, mm. I'm not even down across him, yeah. over there, I don't give a damn, like, it's just another another whitey, like, you know. Yeah. It must be nice to, to actually get a break from it, it's probably, it's probably on your mind a lot over here, that you feel like you have to do something yeah, all well, the time. Our, our webmaster, uh, I, have, I have a serious task ahead of me, which I'm dreading, you know, and the brothers fumbling with it for the last few days, where our webmaster advised us that we have to become tweeters. Okay. Something I thought I'd never do when I heard about it first. <laughs> We're all these tweeters. I mean, this is nuts. Like, right? yeah. I'm not going there, like, you know. Yeah. And I didn't even uh, have a smartphone. I have one now, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and I'll be leaving this at home. I'm, I'm going iPhone for this trip because that's the way to walk, I get, you know. That's yeah, the way yeah, it yeah. walks nowadays. And I have to go that way, you know. To, mm. I used to go jump into spheres of technology that I didn't really want to go into. I, I dreaded the tweeting, but the webmaster set up an account for me and everything, and I get in and change my passport. And, and but the brother's trying to do it. He, oh, yeah, the webmaster Connor O'Leary also sent us a. 
you know, a YouTube teach yourself how to tweet, how it actually works and everything. Right. The brother looked at it, but I haven't done it. But I have to do it all before I go because basically I'm hoping to tweet all the politicians who have helped us and therefore try and hit their followers saying, I'm in the airport now. Yeah. I'm heading off to see my brother. But we also got advised by a PR guy like who knows the game that not to just only tweet once or twice a week each about the issues on alternate days. So we're only going to do a few. Mm. But uh, we're going to bang up photographs of the reunion you know, me mm. and him and that kind of stuff. And just yeah. to keep it live. You, know? you have to keep it in people's consciousness. Cause and well, I, I, I believe it is tweeting now. Like, I, I'll have to go on to all the journalists and stuff and get their tweets, you know. So mm. I'll be tweeting. When I send, it'll be to all of them. Yeah. Including the politicians who assist me. And, and well, it's handy. It's a kind of a... It's pretty, I suppose, you, it's very similar to Facebook in a sense, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just a little bit cleaner, but I suppose yeah. it, it's the way people... A little people bit can, shorter and sharper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the yeah. way people communicate these yeah. days, you know. But, you know, I'm at this age, old dogs and new tricks, you know. I mean, I'm fairly good with the computers. I worked in Apple and Dell in various years, you know. Mostly assembly, though, rather than software, you know. I, I could rip out, um, you know, laptops, like, 16 an hour, like, was the target. Like, really? You know, yeah, yeah, 16 an hour, like, nimble fingers, you know. <laughs> and, so, and you're in a cell, they call it the cell you're in, when you're, you stand up in a cell, and, and these come down to you in kind of milk trays, milk, you know, plastic things, all the bits and pieces, and you assemble. Assemble. Anyway, that's enough about me. But uh, have you had much help on this side, in terms of generating a bit of discussion? Well, oh, yeah, massive help. I mean, there's there's a fella called John Byrne, and and there's the Michael Hegarty and Balan Colleague, the webmaster Conor O'Leary, Deirdre Clune. You know, but it's like the and people who have assisted me handing out leaflets. You know, and mm. premises have allowed me to leave leaflets on their table, you know, just, I, I kind of know the answer before I ask, so I'm only asking certain premises, you know, because it is a drug issue as such, mm. so a lot of people, you know, they don't want drug leaflets in their pub, and I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've had a lot, a lot of, you know, support, yeah, yeah. yeah. On a know. political level? Well, I mean, yeah, well, Deirdre Clune started, but at the moment, like, she's, because she's an MEP, she kind of handed it over to her party, Fine Gael, Dara Murphy, TD, uh, who's the Minister for State, foreign, with a brief of foreign affairs. Yeah. Now, another person who's helped us, um, the petition is aimed at uh, the actual uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, Charles Flanagan, you know, but, like, I, like yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say it, because like, at least says, you know. Okay, but, okay. Uh, no response, really, you know. And, and it's funny, like, the response my brother was getting from the Singaporean, em- the Irish embassy in Singapore, is almost word for word how uh, they answered the question that Sean Crow, TD Dublin, Sinn Féin, uh, tabled for us last week, a parliamentary question. No, they don't actually ask these parliamentary questions. They they pass them over on paper and they get answered on paper. But like the answer that we got back from Charlie Flanagan, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, was almost word for word what we've been getting back from Foreign Affairs for the last year, one year, ten months. Okay. Like not not nothing actually changed. The fact that Sean Crow T D helped us get that question asked, it, it's you know, he, he was a bit shocked himself at, at mm. the, the brief answer, especially the amount of publicity I've managed to garner like in the short time since we launched the campaign only about three weeks ago, you know. Do you think because it is a drug issue that people are no, I, I, I veer think, away from it? Look, I, another thing I've become aware of, I've just questioned myself, why are they, but you know, um, 
this is only a theory again, you know, and like it's not a conspiracy theory, but it is a theory, right? Mm. It's um, we're in you know, the common agricultural policy to spend it, and we can make as much milk as we want now, and therefore we're going into overproduction. All the farmers are scaling up, and it's a massive market for the Philippines for dried powder milk. Massive market because you can't keep fresh milk fresh. Everyone uses powder, powder, you know. And uh, we're negotiating serious contract with them now, worth millions, like our government. Are, yeah, and it's so you know, so you know, they're, they're not going to mess that up for like one fifty-five-year-old nurse like, who happens to have an Irish passport and hasn't lived there since he was, you know, eighteen. You know, like. So it's kind of brutally sad if that was the well, case. Well, it's real. Okay. Yeah, I know, but how do we ever prove it if it is the case? Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, yeah, they're you know, they're just too busy anyway. You know, I mean, I mean, they had the Peruvian girls who were saying they were, you know, the two girls that were caught in Peru. They kept saying they were in for a month or two. You know, but they mm-hmm. were suitcases of cocaine, like yeah, yeah, you know, and they flew out to a pizza, like you know, yeah, to, yeah. to do it. Yeah. So I mean, that's a totally different case, you know, but. Uh, they it's just, just you know i suppose you know even like the amount that it was you know it's like mm. it seems so overscaled for such a small even if a guy did get caught and he was yeah. like oh fuck i left my drugs in the family yeah. i i think if the like, brother had kind of not gone on hunger strike and dealt with it a different way he might have been given a figure or something or something that he must do like hand over the property and then they'd let him go mm. do you understand so they weren't too concerned about the weight of it as such at that stage because they thought he'd settle but he threw them into total disarray where he went into hunger strike and he probably shot himself in the foot with that move you know yeah because it made it all so more serious you know and, and yeah. uh, there's these people who frame now. There's no way for them to slide out. They have to stick to their story, you know. Or, yeah, or they yeah. themselves are gone. I mean, the the Philippines does put policemen in jail for corruption. The odd one that totally messes up. But corruption is a. My brother told me a story. Basically, if you want to be a policeman, at the start there, you must come up with forty thousand US dollars. You must bribe people with that. That's the going rate at the moment. You bribe people with that. They give you your one or two weeks basic training, a gun, and a uniform. And off you go. But you have to pay that back straight away. You Where'd you borrow it from at enormous mm. rates? So instantly you have to go corrupt and start banging Filipinos and, and people up and shaking them down for money. Um, I was buying a guy. Oh, yeah, I go back to this. I was buying a guy to prepare for my trip. You know, I like to plan things a bit and know what I'm dealing with. Where am I going? How far is my hotel away from the brothers' yeah, house? Yeah, yeah. A transport system. And I came for doors guide, F O D O R. They do guides, travel guides, you know, kind of old fashioned ones, but they were the best in the 60s and 70s, you know, before the likes of Lonely Planet. And they recommend that no foreigners drive a car in the whole of the Philippines because a rented car. Is a magnet to get hit. Okay. You know, they just drive. Oh, I rent a car. Bang. Yeah. Great. I had a great score. They tell the wife when they get home, I had a great score today. I banged into a tourist. We'll, we'll be rich soon. Yeah. You know, and, and they're for there are advising people not to drive over there, even rent a car. It's like to get driven everywhere. You know, so that's how bad it is. Like it's everybody's on the make because they're trying to pay back the 40,000 that got them the job in the first place. Like, yeah. unless they were one of the uh, oligarchic families, you know. A vicious circle of <laughs> Yeah, vicious perpetuation, you know. God almighty. How are you coping? Well, they have my own milk and alcohol. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Yeah. I, I suppose, 
Yeah. I, I, have you ever doubted yourself or him? You know, has there even been moments where you're like, I know, you, the, like I or been angry, going the, what the, the first fuck? half hour or so. When I get up in the morning, that's the hardest part. Mm. When I, I get up, I get to bed and I go for change that org where the petition is, you know. The, but the how you get to it is a uh, bring in a e a n n a home all one word uh, dot com. When I get up to that, like and I. Uh, I only got all the work I did, all the leaflets I passed out, all the interviews and talking to politicians and printing and reprinting, like all the stuff the politicians want off me, like they want the court cases, the transcript and everything, you know. Hey, boy, I mean, your foreign affairs have them, why don't you get onto them? Like, what am I doing printing them on my little cheap printer and paying through, you know? Mm. That's the way they're helping, like, they won't even ask their own department to supply all the documents, you know? Oh, you have to supply the documents, (laughs) And they have them already because the second everything happens, we forward it to them, you know, the, okay. the, the actual uh, Singaporean embassy, you know. We also forward it to uh, the Council of Justice, the Council of Bishops, based in Minute, and they have uh, appointed, um, because there's no um, embassy there, they have a, they have jurisdiction there. The, the Irish government look, gives the Catholic Church some money to look after prisoners overseas where there's no, and accused overseas. So they have appointed a, a barrister, whom I've spoken to quite a few times, who's just overlooking the case, you know. And then we've registered it with Fair Trials International. They're keeping an eye, a watching brief, you know. But we don't, none of these people have issued reports, you know. I suppose that'll only happen when he goes into jail, if he goes, you know. Mm. They'll issue a report. If his appeal fails and he's lifted and put in, um, they, they probably will issue reports at that stage, you know. But today we don't know what they're thinking, mm. you know, these, these overseers, you know. Does he fear that? Does he fear that someday he'll like end up in a Philippine? Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, like that. The first few days, and I mean, he even said it in the ninety-six FM interview, which is on the uh, website, bring in a home dot com. That um, that uh, you know, PJ Coogan, the interviewer, asked me, "Well, where will it go from here? Is he in fear like that?" And I said, "Yeah, this this very publicity, if it's picked up by uh, their consulate in Dublin." Uh, or their ambassador in London, by the Filipino ambassador to London, if it's picked up there, you know, um, it could result in, hey, bring that fella in, his brother saying bad things about us, that we're all corrupt, you know. Yeah. Should they might bang me up at the airport? Or they have a student saying, like, I only, they might give me the Jimmy Shuffle and turn me around because you only get your visa right there and then. Okay. There's no pre, if you want a work visa, that's all done beforehand, but a tourist visa, <coughs> is granted it's 90 decided. days yeah, as okay. you go in, you know. So they might say, oh, but the, <coughs> the one thing we've gone from is the brother for some strange quirk in his personality changed his name to Irish. Like. So his name is Aina O'Hochlain, C-O-C-H-L-A-I-N. And I'm using my uh, Patrick Coughlin. Yeah. You know, but my passport is Parik Coughlin, the Irish version, because that's my name and the birth of Parik, you know, P-A-R-A-I-C. So I'm hoping that difference of Coughlin and O'Coughlin, they might fool them, you know. Yeah. And I told them to, I'd meet them in the car park, and you know, yeah. not don't to be door come in the airport, like you know, I'd meet you outside. We we. Jeez, yeah. that's nerve wracking, isn't it? It is, yeah. But I'm going into the gates of hell. But so is his wife. She's even more freaked about it. Like she came up with the idea there uh, a couple of weeks ago when she realised I was serious and I was going over, you know, because I know I don't have too many bobs, you know, mm. and I'm making a massive effort. Like, and thank you to. But if you hand credit, you mean for assisting me with that effort, yeah. and give me another loan, and um, 
yeah, and uh, she, she was worried. And so I said, well, look, what we'll do is, uh, what you do is send an email to Department of Foreign Affairs uh, and uh, put in your dates of travel, um, where where to and where from, get your daughter Kiva, my niece, to do the same, and I also, when I have my passport number, will do the same. Uh, that we're like we're notifying uh, Department of Foreign Affairs that we're going, and we got a fairly good response. We got back a special form that's not anywhere on the website to fill in for um, Irish nationals who were going to into a possibly dangerous situation. Hostile waters, like yeah. Yeah, so they like we presume they'd be keeping an extra uh, special eye on us, you know. But you see, the way that Filipinos can get rid of me, it's just turn me around, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. You know? I mean, I, like, I'm going to be fairly well annoyed. Like, I fly over, all the way over there, you know, mm. reading two or three books on the way with the eyes cut off me, you know, stressed out the hell, like, probably, uh, you know. To get turned back. Uh, to get turned back, you mm. know. Like, hopefully they'll bang me up in jail there for 24 hours so I can have a good crash before they throw me out, <laughs> <laughs> And experience what the brother experience. At least you seem to be trying to keep a, a fairly jovial attitude. Uh, yeah, well, I, I've always been like that, you know. Like even, you know, I even at funerals, like, I, you know, my mother's funeral, my brother, like, yeah, it's the way I deal with it, you know. Yeah. It, it, it seems to help some of my nieces and nephews too, you know, because their their parent or their remaining parents, like, were kind of having lost their partner, were all kind of down, you know, yeah, and their yeah. big sisters are down, and then here comes along Uncle Porrick, like, yeah. and the same old cracking jokes, you know, yeah. using trendy words, like, yeah. with the kids, you know. And, yeah, get a bang that's, off it. That's just, it's, it's part of my character. I used to run nightclubs in Galway, you know what I mean, okay. and, and handing out leaflets and all that was, was part for the course, and trying to get, like, when I was 34 or so, I'd be out in the street in the college, like, chatting up 18-year-old males and females to come to my nightclub. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... What was the name of your nightclub? Ah, uh, yeah, Tuesday Club was one of my most successful, specialised. And basically, you rented it from the guy who owned it okay. and operated Friday, Saturday night. You paid him a fixed rent. He'd give you his two standard bouncers. And uh, that was it, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I made fairly well at that. We used to have projection screens and everything just to keep it interesting. You know, you could go behind the screens and not be seen, you know. Okay, and, yeah. Yeah, they were the good old days, all right. <laughs> and I had another one then. And, um, I had one called Graffiti Club where I projected graffiti onto the wall. And, uh, you, like, I'd be doing that with slide photography. I was photographing graffiti and putting it up in the wall with two slide projectors opposed to each other and yeah. diagonal. And then I came up with these, you know, the things they use in colleges for uh, that you write and appear. Oh, on the, the overhead, like yeah. yeah. So people were able to come. And then I had a, a projection with just, a, oh no, I had a backdrop of a kind of a wall, right? Mm. Bricks. And people were able to come up and write something. Okay. Honest, you know, okay. all mad ideas just keep going. But the whole thing was Was it a success? Was it a Oh yeah, I kept that that for ages. I mean once says my accountant called me in and uh, said, Look, Patrick, you know, you're you're losing about fifteen you're wasting ten or fifteen percent of your money, you know. Did you ever hear of desktop publishing? Like he said, you know, all the money you're spending up in GACs it was in uh Galway, um printing mm. and advertising, you know. And he said, Bring it in house, like so cost me like carried away two top of the range max at the time like lovely photocopier big office three or least new carpets new furniture two permanent employees like the first day I ever had in my life and a team of about 20 or 30 casuals like you know for cloak house DJ okay. 
you know, um, like promoters, like yeah. I, you know, that would bring it out, you know. And uh, there was a couple of other clubs. Basically, I was just copying. I saw some lads when I arrived there with my daughter in my hand. Uh, she was only about four or so. I had no means of earning a living. I just left the civil service, you say, and and um, I'd left her, like, you know, but she gave me the child. Like, so I, here I arrived, like, age 31, 32, and I luckily enough for me to write. I've been very lucky all my life, really, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, it's better to be born lucky than, than a millionaire because you can blow the millionaire thing. Whereas yeah, yeah. if you're lucky, it keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good attitude. So yeah, well, no, it's actual reality. Like I'm, I, I, it's happening since I'm sixty. Like I, I'm sixty now. It's been happening all my life, and I, somehow or other, I seem to be never short. I always have some angle or other, and mm. all legal, of course. You know, yeah. and uh, it's good that you probably have that head where you see outside the box. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, like I was, I know, mm. until I gave up, you know, I, I barely participate in the world, you know, after this, you know, like in the last couple of years when I came back to Cork, I only came back to Cork uh, 10 years ago, you know. Okay. Um, was, uh, up to that, I left Cork when I was 17. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, so there for like 10 years ago, we said, that brings me to 50, so 17 so you were 50, away I was, yeah, I was 33 years or so. Yeah, but all of, like, stayed a couple of years in Germany and fairly long time in uh, Cuba like more than one year and, and other countries in Morocco Algeria Libya Tunisia you know just strolling across the desert kind of thing you know a wandering soul Wander- well you know, I, I like the Arab people especially the, the, those northern African Arabs like they, they have a nice culture it's not as deep Arabic as, as Saudi Arabia and Qatar and places like that yeah, you know? yeah. so I like the culture there's something about it that has a certain honesty. I mean, their attitude to usury, like which is bankers, it's forbidden completely. Like, uh, you know, if you if you borrow money, uh, it must. Well, they all have banks now and everything. But I mean, in the town, in in their basic religion, is uh, all debts must be settled at a certain time. You know, so you borrow money, and then at their festival um, Ramadan, right at the end of Ramadan is the day for the accounts, and basically you just go you pay back the money and the guy gives it back to you again you know it's like it's some kind of thing like a, a tradition oh yeah right? but you're not meant to make in charge interest if you're given a loan interest is forbidden in in the quran yeah you know so it's it, you know jesus christ himself got a bit thick there with the bankers the, the yeah. temple like you know so you know yeah, the tax collectors yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. who he was you know like, so i mean that's what i like about it those people you know and my brother likes them too i mean he speaks quite a bit of arabic like from all the years he spent over there you know mm. But, um, you sound like a well-seasoned, well-travelled family. Yeah, yeah. We're the only two wonders. So we, we're the bottom two of the family, you know. Okay. All the rest, like, two of them turned into millionaires, like, you know. Really? And, yeah. One, the one who passed away, and I was very successful, like, um, uh, IT. Okay. And then he invented a, a programme, like, uh, for helping people, like, the big co-ops with multi-fleet trucks used to spy in the cab. And with that one programme, that's it. He was really? in the downside in a year. It's like and a half. writing a Christmas thing. Yeah, you know? it's like writing. That's it. Kept yeah, coming yeah. back, and yeah. not only that, then they pulled them in then uh, to do all their accounts and manage their fleets for them via computers, mm. and spot a bad driver. The software would spot a bad driver, like, whoa, you, you know, by uh, by using the information to spy in the tachograph, yeah. to spy in the cab gave. So the tachograph was a new thing. The brother said, "Hmm." I'm right caught now, and they have all the tachograph. The information is not being used. It's just the police checking the odd hours how many yeah, yeah. they got their sleep. 
but he saw that we could deliver a lot more if you attach the other information like how many gearboxes how many tires how many uh, replacement this that and the other have gone into that thing and you could identify a bad driver like and, and stuff the drivers are probably like Jesus no they were but you didn't know him. what was going on you know? yeah like, probably like, not it's it yeah. just a secret spy it's, it's basically it was the start of the information age you know so he got very rich out of that quick you know and the other guy was in construction then like uh, you know, so there's there's two of them like that, like so. Okay. And I have another poor brother over on the streets of London, homeless, like. But he has he has a flat. They keep giving him a flat, you know. But he won't come out the streets. He lives on the street. Really. He's been on that street for fifteen years, you know. Do you see him much? No, I didn't. Uh, when he, when he got in trouble, like he, he lived in Holland most of his life, thirty forty years, and then the, the Dutch had a clean up and the. Um, put him back to Cork, you say, okay. where my father was customs and excise chairs once there, like, he got the call, and of course, my brother, like, should they just pick them up and put them in the cell and said, you're all leaving now, you know? No, no, back to your place to get anything, you know? Oh, wow. They rent and get your passport, sure, he didn't even have a passport, like, he, you know, out of his face in Amsterdam for 20 years, like, you know? And, uh, you <laughs> Happy know. enough, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. well, mentally ill as well, you know, mentally ill, before. that's his presence there, but I mean, that time he, he, you know, talk about drawing. We we're a very dramatic family. Talk about drawing tension. There was like, didn't he? There was about ten or fifteen of them were deported to Cork that flight, and the brother managed to fall down. The, at those times, they they brought the the stairs out to you, and you walked out. Sure, you got took took took, fell down the whole thing. And should they pick him up? You know, and they're paying attention to him then. And sure, there's um. You know, like his his uh, all his methadone was on him, like and other other various pills and everything. So he he got taken away. But my father got notified and just said to somebody, you know, this is more of it. No corruption again, like in my own family, like. But uh, the father just said, "Here, give him a ticket there. I'll pay for it to London. Just bounce him. Are you willing to let him go? Like I mean, you know, he wasn't important and everything. Yeah. And you know, we don't want him here at Cork. You know, the family don't want him, or oh, you don't want him. So they bounced him off to London. Then just like that, the father paid for the ticket, and that's it. He's been there ever since. Like at one stage, in a nice little flat and everything, Soho, but he." You know, he kept getting anti-social orders against him because he's bringing all the his mates in, uh, heavy this, that, and the other. You know, but yeah. he he's seriously mentally ill. Like. Is he? Yes, he yeah. I mean, when his mother died, he, you know, his name's on the will. He's entitled to a share of the house. You know, and when when he was informed of that, he kind of said, "Oh, I don't want it. I don't want it. Really? To keep it yourself, boy. You know, like that's his attitude. Or give it to, to some equivalent of the oh yeah, the Sally Annie. He wanted to, his approximately. Right now, between fifty and eighty thousand that we'll all be getting in a few years' time when it's all over. Like he, he wanted to give him to the Sal- Sal- Salvation Army who give him his tea and sandwiches. I know you know they're the kindest people in his world. You know? Oh Jesus, mad old, mad old yeah, family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but as I said, there was some serious people, there. and there's me, <laughs> not serious at all. Like you know. Yeah. And, and the brother, you know, the one in trouble, you know, like he's very serious, you know, he went to college and then he did all his things afterwards, you know, his, mm. his specifications. And like when I heard he was doing midwifery, I was saying to him, hey, boy, you know, yeah. what are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. A typical but, Irish brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, his earner has been his, his mental health thing, you know, that's it. He's done loads of seminars and everything, you know, on it. And, and normally his clients are, are suffering from some form of 
um, addiction. addiction. That's how they get so mad, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, like, and there's no, some are born that way as well. Like, but some of them get there via drugs and yeah. alcohol. And yeah, they're helped along the way. But uh, he sounds like the kind of character who, having seen all this, would be like probably go. Do you know what? I don't want to partake in drugs. Or I, I like. I always thought that was the case. Uh, you know, and I, I still do. You know, I have to ask him when I get over. Mm-hmm. Hey man, or, you know, do you or not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But uh, I don't really know. As I say, you see, he's been over there in London. The last time I visited him in London was about five years ago, and that was just for I was staying in Brighton actually, and it, I just took the train up for the day to meet uh, my niece mm. and uh, my sister-in-law and him. And that's the last time I seen him, like a few hours, four years ago, you know. Oh, yeah, the odd phone call, like he'd be looking for his mother and talking, and I'd yeah. be filling him in, he'd be asking medical questions. And I said, no, what do you mean by, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, why, if you're like that, why don't you over and mind yourself? Like, he was still in London, like, yeah. you know, telling me how to mind my mother over here. Yeah. You know, like, get off, like, come and give me a hand. Like. Families can be tricky. Ah, uh, yeah, sure, everybody's family is that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, don't, I don't blame the guy. I mean, let's be fair, I, I, you know, I, I long came away from... You know, my uh, relationships, shall we say, like that, you know, I never got married, you know, mm. but, um, you know, I, I had no responsibilities, basically, so I was the obvious target Tar- yeah, yeah, with yeah. the minding, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, he had the excuse, oh, I have to work and the mortgage and this mm. and that, and look where I got him, you know, hanged up and brought <laughs> You can slag him over there. Oh, you? yeah, I do, I do, yeah. yeah. No, but actually, you know, I, we, we've, we've, I suppose, in, in some strange way, this this is like making us into real brothers. Yeah, that we hadn't been previously. You know, this is making God, us into real the, brothers. Like. That's a heavy one, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true. Tragedy comes. Sure. Yeah, well, sure, you know, he'd be, he'd be no sooner back if we get him back. He'd be no sooner back, and we'd be off rowing again. Like yeah, you know, yeah, what I mean, yeah. something yeah. saying. That, but that's typical you know, of any or any like, family. If he touches my Cuban cigars, like I <laughs> take the head off his shoulder, like you know, because they're very hard to get, like. How do, how do you think this will pan out before we finish up? I haven't a clue. You don't know? I, no, it's all up in the air. Like, we're hoping, you know, as I said, they're all, they're all caught in such an embarrassing position mm. that they have to stick to their guns, you know. And, I mean, if he finally wins the appeal, all those policemen are going to be arrested and charged with perjury if he wins. And so I don't know if that's going to happen. The, the other thing is we, we, we have... I, <laughs> A priest, uh, he's, I'm not going to name him today for specific reasons, but uh, he has a big organisation, I'll name the organisation, Preda, P-R-E-D-A dot org. Now this priest is Irish from Dublin, he's a missionary priest, I don't know what clique he belongs yeah. to, or if you know what I mean, yeah, American yeah. or something. Yeah. So he um, he uh, got banged up himself and uh, uh, 50 charges put against him. What he does is he's anti-pedophile. There's a lot of pedophilia in the Philippines. Like, and it's just, uh, the children are partaken of by the police and the politicians and everything passed around, you know. And life is cheap over there, like, you know what I mean? You, know, you, you, can, you can, five dollars would get a bullet in somebody's head, like, you know. Jesus. And my brother might get that bullet someday because we're kicking up such a fuss. But we've discussed it. He, he gave the go ahead. I said, are you sure now why they could come for you the second we start all this, especially me, because I don't hold myself back. Like, mm. We're saying they're corrupt, we're corrupt, and what are they going to do? They're, 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 we're forcing them into up against the wall. Mm. They might come out fighting mm. in that way, undercover fighting, or they might just talk to the judge, uh, appeal, refused. Bring, bring to the jail, you know. And in those jails, you get no food. You've got to have it brought into jail, you know. And because you're a foreigner, you become a target straight away. They're all bullying there because you have a tiny bit more money than they have, you know. 
So I'd imagine if he does do time. Actually, look, he said to me, if he does do time, he said, don't expect me to be in there too long because I won't be. It just won't. It's just impossible. Like he reckons he'll, it'll, you know. He'd end it himself. No, but I'd say he go, what he means there is that he'll go back and hunger strike, water included. You know, he, he's very aggrieved about this situation. He's, he's poor, quite, poor guy, he's man. Quite angry at times, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, and here's me cracking jokes with him, you know, because mm. that's the way I deal with things. And sometimes it just goes in one ear and out the other with him. The, the, my attempts at humour, you know. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't think it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose he, he's, he's, de- <laughs> yeah, he's the guy going to jail. He's dealing with a reality on a whole different yeah, level. Like, I yeah. understand that, mm. you know. But mm. I, I just trying to, you know, keep him up, like, keep yeah. his spirits up, you know. Hopefully he'll get back. Who knows how it's going to turn out? That's that's the thing. It's all up in the air, you know. But if we had a bit more push and shove here, a from our politicians and Department of Foreign Affairs, it might turn out a different way. Oh yeah, I go back to this priest. Uh, oh yeah, he he's really. Uh, unfortunately, he's up in North Korea at the moment helping some poor Catholics up there. I thought Kim Jong Il got rid of all them years ago, but uh, this priest has found an enclave of them, you know, okay. and he's up there helping them, like, and there's some paedophilia going up there as well, and that's his particular buzz, you know, this priest. Like but, and, oh yeah, that's what he was charged with. Kidnapping, extortion, bribery, all these charges. In fact, 15 years later, he has defeated all 52 charges that were placed at his feet, and he still has three going on. So that's going on for 15 years or so. But he's still resident in the Philippines, set up this uh, PREDA, P-R-E-D-A dot org, uh, to track down and make the Filipinos arrest. You know, and they track children. If they hear a child got missing from a village, he's got a crew of volunteers and they swamp the area, you know, and, and they take the car numbers, they go looking straight away. They have a few friendly policemen who helped them in those efforts. But, you know, it's probably a policeman that stole the child anyway, you know what I mean? That's... It's very curious. I mean, it's, you know, it, 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 this, no, it's a really, really nasty. I don't think country. this interview will be on the tours board, the Philippines. <laughs> the tours board. Uh, well, if I, if I got a chance, I'd be sticking it up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, as, as soon as I get over there, I might just have tiny little bits of paper and hand them out to sympathetic people I'm talking on mm. the street, like mm. my barmaid, barmen, and, and things mm. like that, you know, waiters. Anyone who seems, you know, I'll, I'll be slipping and have a look at that boy, mm. you know, and, and because a lot of them, I mean, they know their country's corrupt, you know, because they suffer from it. They're the ones being banged up against the wall and shook down for their wages, you know. There's a the thing now, um, there used to be an ambassador uh, to Ireland, a Filipino ambassador to Ireland, but um, he was made persona non grata and kicked out of our country because what they were doing... The, Apparently, Ireland has twelve thousand, as we speak, Filipinos in nursing profession. A lot of them are in the hospitals, but the majority of them are in nursing homes. Mm. So we don't actually see them. You know, we see them on our streets, but we don't come across them as as nurses. You know, Filipinos, and uh, of course, the odd one then every now and again has to go and get their passport renewed. You know. And this is what was happening up in Dublin. They were going in and the standard fee, whatever it was, like R one ninety quid or theirs was fifty quid or something. And and the the guy the consul, ambassador and his staff, right, were all saying, Oh, that goes so you, you your your passport's up in a few months and um, you know, we'll never get the paperwork done in time, you know. We, we you you'll have to make an extraordinary effort, 
All right, and one little nurse went straight across to the police station and reported him. Okay. I don't know her name. She she avoided the publicity for this stuff, but she brought down the whole embassy. Like, really? Yeah, oh yeah, they, they, a cop went in. The, the cops got, went in. She, you know, she had good evidence. She went tooled up or something like to gather the evidence because it happened to all her friends, and she wasn't having it. She went in. It happened. She must have had a tape or something, and they threw the cops in. The cops went in, grabbed all the accounts in the books. Photographs the car. It's it's actually on YouTube. Uh, a report that was on Filipino television of all the big cars like uh, that this guy had and all his staff had and the big houses they had in Dublin with all this money they were squeezing out of the poor Filipino nurses working in Ireland alone. There's also reports on the internet. If anyone wants to go searching of sixteen different. Uh, embassies and consulates of the Filipinos in one country, Saudi Arabia. There's so many of them over there. They're the cleaners, they're the nurses, they're the carers, they're the drivers, the chauffeurs, they're the preferred race of workers, preferred class of servant, basically. You know, and and uh, when they're going to renew their passport, it's a multi-million dollar industry for these people who are the ambassadors and their staff and their consuls and the subconsuls. And it, that's all over the internet if anyone wants to go looking for it, like uh, Filipino corruption in Saudi Arabia, uh, Filipino embassy closed down in Dublin, corruption, keywords like that. Mm-hmm. You'll come across uh, the YouTube video with it, you know, which was basically taken off their six o'clock news. The same one that reported on my brother, you know, and it shows the... The former ambassador, he was given like the usual, he was called up, you know, he presents it when they arrive in ambassador, they present their credentials to the teacher, or sorry, the president. That's, mm-hmm. that's the yeah. formality. Yeah. Like in England, it's the queen day, and, and it's a little ceremony and, you know, he's, but uh, he was called back to um, the Arsenukra and, and his credentials were torn up and he was given 48 hours to leave the country without bringing any assets in him. And I think uh, CAB or someone moved in there and took all the cars and the houses and everything. All that's up there now is a consulate, like okay. in a wrong country, you know, in a wrong country, you know. But you think that would assist our? But I, I read about that in the newspapers, but I never saw that in Irish television. No, I, I, that, no. that doesn't ring a bell. With me I know, at all. but it's there on the net. Mm. It's only happened three or four years ago. It's amazing that your brother's story was never made the RT news, or did it? No, well, you see, we were advised at one stage because the amount was so minuscule not to not to rattle it. No, mm. we still haven't got the RT news. If anyone's listening, yeah, why? We haven't got TV three news either. The only people who interviewed me for TV were UTV, who sent the whole camera crew down. And when they were finished interviewing me, they raced off to interview Dear to Clune, who happened to be in Cove that day, and gave her permission for the interview, provided it was just on this one subject. Because she didn't want to take attention off what she was doing, which is often a school for kids or something, I believe. I don't, I'm not 100% sure what she was doing that day. But that camera crew and interviewer, lights, the whole lot, they, they, sound, they all raced off. You know, they, they gave me three or four hours all the time. But the footage never made the news. Okay. It was meant to be on the 6.30 news. It didn't. The journalist has been on to me. She was a bit of, she went off the air for a week or two, she wouldn't answer because like she promised me to be on the news. So it got spiked. But basically she told me it got spiked in a good way. That like it was such a good interview. And then they got the politician as well, you know. And noticed the par I told her about the parliamentary question. So they're after maybe interviewing Sean Crow, the T D who placed the parliamentary question. And uh, I think it's uh, a guy called Eric, I'd like to thank him. He's he'd be Sean Crow's secretary or something. Okay. Or he's, you know, he's a political activist as well as a secretary to John Crow, you know. And uh, he's done great work on our behalf. And they're attempting now to bring us to the next stage of internal Irish politics. 
there, apparently there's a, something I never knew before, there's a, in all, you know, these uh, committees they have now in the Doyle, you know, there's an all-party committee in the Doyle uh, on foreign affairs. Okay. And how we deal with foreign issues and how we deal with foreign countries. So uh, that's a situation of, like, it, it's like the Bankers Tribunal now, you know, the one, the, the, it's, it's been dealt with by a committee. And you've seen it on TV, I'm sure, where they bring them in and ask them what actually happened that day. Well, John Crow is pushing to have that committee call me up to say my piece and to call Joe over to say her piece and to maybe uh, Skype with my brother and interview him and that. But sure, they're all going on holidays a month or two, you know, so that mightn't happen until, I don't know, until they're back. When do they come back? Like for a couple of weeks before Christmas and they're off again, you know? Yeah. So. Like their concept of time and your concept of time or your brother's concept of time. Yeah, yeah. It's so different, you know, like... Well, his concept of time will become very... Uh, finite if he starts at 12 years it'll just be 12 years 12 years 12 years yeah. that's another day God, you can just imagine him in the prison cell with these little lines you know, know yeah. there'll be a lot of lines he'd need a big prison cell for 12 years like. I know what a crazy concept Pat we might finish up there I right? think so yeah, um, know, so. Just thanks very much no bother that, just like. remind people there again that um, so you have a website www.bringanahome.com yeah .com. That's correct. Which uh, that'll facilitate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one can educate oneself on it mm. and read the articles that were printed in the newspaper. Listen to uh, my interview on Night Six FM mm. with PJ Coog and uh, facilitated by uh, Deirdre, and uh, then they can make their own minds up on the issue, mm. uh, and they could also link to research on corruption in the Philippines. There's only two. We didn't want to clutter up the site, you know. My personal email address is at the bottom of a big risk I'm taking. Yeah. You know, I've had that for years. Like, you know, everyone has it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. But, a, uh, a lot of spam. I know, yeah. I hope no one comes and says, hey, Pat, you have a few kids here. You better start paying up for them. Yeah. You know, they found me. They found me. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. And, and then, of course, you, you if you got to sign the petition, you'll be brought to um, an, an international petition signing organization, change.org. Uh, who who I respected just because, like I can't sit there all day banging in different emails and voting, 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 you know, because they watch out for that, you know. Yeah, so yeah. That, and, and that's because of that. Like when they hand over a petition of ten thousand, it's respected internationally, yeah. you know. Uh, at the moment, that we only have five hundred, so uh, like, please, 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 yeah. take that step. And what seems to be happening now is people are going onto the page. Uh, they're just going for the familiar Facebook button. And they're forgetting the sign, okay. and and then they they go on about it in their Facebook, and it's all over Facebook basically. But we still only have, we were fourteen before the interview. We we're fourteen short of five hundred, okay. which is rather tragic because both myself and the brother and the wife like we we thought we'd be way beyond that now, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like nearly three weeks old now, you know. I think if you keep at it, though. Oh you yeah, know, no, I'm not stopping. He and even if if I think maybe if something does go on, uh, well, it, it's like news, well, you know, it's critical mass, you know, mm. inertia. We're against inertia. Right? We're pushing up the hill though, and up and up, and the further we get up, the harder it's getting, you know. Mm. But once we hit like, you know, numbers of this over five thousand, and that I've been told by people in the PR game that we start getting some attention there, you know. Mm. But I mean, I was looking at one on the same change that org, like, and they have a, a quarter of a million signatories, like for uh, uh, anti keep the fox hunting ban in 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 um, you know. I said, God, I wish I had a quarter of a million yeah, <laughs> signatories. You know, people seem to care more about foxes than people. You know, and there's no harm in that either. I like foxes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
I know, man. But it's it, 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 But uh, I, I, I suppose the only thing you can do is keep battling keep on. Slagging. Keep yeah. Well, there was one thing I could do before I finish. I can thank you. Oh, Jesus. Right, Kieran, thanks very much for You're very platform, you know. No bother. Out right. of a chance meeting one day. You know, yeah, so, yeah. But I, I don't, maybe you'd have phoned me on the net and, we, you know, mm-hmm. and come to me, you know. Yeah. It was just chance that day. Yeah. Serendipity, you know. But I've had a lot of that since, oh, my life, I told you I was always lucky. Yeah, yeah. And I've had a lot of it in this, you know, just yeah. people. Well, just, I'll bang it up wherever, where I usually bang them up if people listen to it, it might impact them. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, you know? At mean, least it's yeah. good to have something down on tape that's oh, yeah, I can quite lengthy. I mean, once you have it up, I'd be on to all the journalists mm-hmm. and say, here, listen to that there, you know. Yeah. But uh, I just, well, I decided to give you the information I didn't really say before about George's relation, you know, because yeah. I'm sick of it. Yeah. No, yeah, and I don't care if it's George's relation. I'm sorry, Joe. Mm-hmm. I just don't care, you know. Yeah. Maybe he is implicated, Joe, we just don't know. So I, you know, for, I tried to hold back, but yeah. I've got beyond it now, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Joe herself, I wanted her to petition on the anniversary, uh, which will be, it's coming up like 14th of July. The summer is the anniversary, the two-year anniversary of, of the initial arrest. And I wanted Joe and Kiva to pick at the actual embassy in, with only, not a big crowd, like, but yeah. only two or three friends, like, and try and get a picture in the papers back publicity for in London, and I pick at the the one up here, you know, mm-hmm. the consulate in Dublin, and hopefully some of the papers that straddle both countries would pick it up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're too shy, you know, they won't mm-hmm. do it, but they're perfectly willing to fly into um, Dublin and do it. Yeah, I said, well, in that case, I'll go over and do the Hemsey. You can do the Dublin one, I'll do the London one, you mm-hmm. know, if that's what you're doing. But, you know, I'm getting tired of inaction in family in action as well mm. so that's why my brother probably killed me now for going out there with that uh, internal family knowledge you know but to yeah. late by once you open this mouth hard to stop it <laughs> I'm sure anyone listening will recognise that Pat best of luck on your okay, campaign well. Hope, hopefully uh, you get some sort of solace in this eventually well, um, and that he, eventually he'll come back home safe and sound And thank you Karen. fingers crossed thanks Pat